Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, Director of Bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so that we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. Before today's we pod- begin, oh, oh, sorry. You're jumping in on me, Jeff. <laughs> sorry, so say Today's podcast features Dr. Elliot Cleveland, founder of Marching Health, and we're really excited to talk to him. Jeff's apparently really excited to talk to him, so I'm going to shut <laughs> yeah, up and let him do his thing. We working off different documents. That's not surprising. <laughs> but yeah, before we begin, just want to remind everybody about the Dynamic Marching Shop. Uh, one way you can sort of support us as a podcast is just by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and check out the courses and instructional videos, as well as, well as products like shoes and rifles, and things like that that you might need for your winter season as well as your fall season. So anyway, without further ado, we have had uh, that band life with Marching Health before. I think it was one of our earlier episodes, probably mm-hmm. years ago. But we're happy happy to have you back, Elliot, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That That's kind of good perspective years ago. like You guys have had a podcast mm-hmm. going that long, which is pretty awesome. And, and we have so many episodes, we have them cataloged so as to not overwhelm the populace. Yeah. <laughs> they need that, too. <laughs> no, we, we've been really slack about being very con- consistent about <laughs> this. But I think, I think it's because we kind of wait until we have something that speaks to us a little bit. And, and this topic absolutely does speak to us and is a really important one. So why don't we begin by saying just what is Marching Health? How did it begin? And... Um, where are you now? Yes. So we are the global leaders in health and wellness education for the marching arts, which is amazing to say because we started as the Mount Pleasant, South Carolina leaders of health and wellness in the marching arts. I was. I hear the band director there is awful. <laughs> we owe our entire existence to that band director. So <laughs> oh okay, the backstory great. is we were, gosh, was it 20? 2016, 2015, we had a year, 15. you remember it right off the top of your head. Yes. We had a year where there were just a lot of injuries and a lot of kids sitting out at Wando. I mean, it was, it felt like an epidemic and I was teaching the drum line while Bobby was the um, director. I think you were in your second year maybe. And um, that was one of the things in addition to show concepts and, you know, other higher level um marching arts conversations that we were having at the end of the year. And I think I was just in my first year as a drumline instructor and I was sitting in a hotel room where all the staff was talking about how they wanted to address some of these problems and what the problems were. And I was a physical therapy student while I was teaching the drumline and people kept mentioning the lack of student leadership or taking ownership during rehearsals, the lack of um, kids having the physical resilience to get through the opener of the show that year. And one of my thoughts was, well, maybe I can somehow combine physical therapy knowledge that I'm learning in school and what we're seeing out here on the marching field. Um, So I took this idea and spoke to Bobby about it. And back then, and he said, I said, Bobby, I just need like 15 minutes a day to be able to implement something and to be able to start getting them warming up properly start exercising the right muscles and get them conditioned to be able to perform marching band specific movements. 
And I, I want to say the conversation was as quick as Bobby looking at Tim and saying, all right, we're starting rehearsal 15 minutes earlier from now on. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Which is High level planning. High level yeah. planning. Which isn't always the case with schools. You know, they're so tight on their scheduling that they don't just make the executive decision that quickly to adapt. Um, yeah. But our first year, we just did some almost spring training and band camp style workouts and then mm-hmm. didn't actually push it during the season. But we saw a huge improvement mm-hmm. just from that. Um, one of the drum majors and I actually kept a tally in a, a Google sheet back then. And we just tallied the number of students dropping per day during band mm-hmm. camp. And we went from in one season, it was 20 kids dropping in one day to the following year, two dropping on the first mm-hmm. three days of band camp. And we knew we were onto something. So we yeah. spent the next three years where I was teaching the drumline at Wando, where I would come in and lead the first 15 minutes or teach the student leadership how to do it. And we wrote down the plan and what exactly we did and then started talking about it on social media and posted some cool videos of Wando's student leadership team leading the workouts themselves where it wasn't run by a staff member or somebody with a doctor of physical therapy behind their name so that it was reproducible at schools. And I was very blessed that it blew up. And since then, we have spread this to over 150 schools. Um, They use our warm-up system. They use our workout programming. Um, we've gone all the way from here to Hawaii to Indonesia and Malaysia. So, um, it's been quite the journey and I'm very thankful for Bobby giving me the opportunity back then to let it. Well, I, I stole that idea from Jeff Young cause I, I remember Jeff, you, you, and I've said this multiple times, you, this was really powerful when you said we, we begin rehearsal getting out of the school day. And there's a there's a definite transition from I've been in math class and English class to I am now going to be an, an artistic athlete. And I remember watching the video of you had, and like the Carmel kids, I, like I was even there one day when you guys did, I saw them walking. They have this long walk to their rehearsal site. I saw them walking there and they were just regular kids. And I was like, okay, this this can't be them. No, that those are the band kids. And then when they set up in the block, they went from like goofy, crazy to poised and powerful. And so we kind of took that idea and just sort of morphed it into maybe being a little more, well, just, just our own kind of thing. And it worked out really well. I think so cool. the, the fun thing about teaching is, is not all teachers are the same, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody kind of has their, their, the things that are important to them that, that other people maybe would gloss over. And I just think, you know, I, I've always been passionate about athletics and not, not in the way that a lot of people are where they watch ESPN. And like, I don't, I don't really watch a lot of sports. I just like being physically active myself. My parents modeled that when I was little and just kind of continued that through college and, and beyond. And so as I was, you know, learning to be a better teacher of marching and movement, it was clear right up front. It wasn't even like something I had to think about, but it was like, well, a lot of these students are not physically able to do some of the things we're asking them to do when we get them in May or June. So I think, you know, it, it's, it makes sense that from different parts of the country in different years, like, you know, you've come to the same conclusions that, 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 that other areas of the country have as well. And Elliot, I think, you know, if we, if we, you know, talk to our listeners today, I, you know, from my point of view, looking at what you guys do, you basically have two main categories, right? You have the, the couch 
what do you call it? So couch to can. We have our back to band and then our couch decor. So yeah, um, back to band and couch decor. So that we'll we'll talk about that first in a second here. But then uh, I think the the other big part of what you guys do is the dynamic stretching component and and really. Um, we could talk about that second if that's okay, but maybe talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, your, your, your couch to core or your back to band workouts and, you know, your philosophy behind that and, and, and how you're able to, to, uh, scaffold that for, for students who maybe aren't that physically fit. Yeah. So those are actually two programs that are easily downloadable off our website. And that's more of, um, we talk about it a lot on social media and I made them alliterations so they're easy to remember. Those are really at home workouts for students to be able to do in the preseason. Um, and then the real thing that we go do all over the world is our 15 minute marching band workout. That's what we have helped implement in rehearsals. So there's a couple of different thought processes behind what we actually implement. And one of those was my business mentor, who was a Wando drumline dad at the time when I started this, said, Elliot, these, when you go to band, how many of kids, how many kids in your marching band actually would go work out on their own afterwards when you were in high school? I bet you were the only one, weren't you? <laughs> I said, well, it was me and my wife. Thank you very much. <laughs> now we're married. So um, he said, you need to do something that work at Wando and you need to be what you already were and figure out how to translate that everywhere else. Because if they needed it, so does everybody else. So our big focus first was figure out what can we give students at rehearsal that day that gets them warmed up. Like you're talking about with the dynamic warmups, Jeff, then also helps develop I don't even think of it as strength and conditioning, so to speak. I think of it as help them develop a skill they need for marching right away. And some of that is my secret recipe. I'll go ahead and give you the secret sauce to it. Wando had a three-day rehearsal schedule, which most South Carolina bands do, and a lot of bands across the country. So we created one day specifically that was mobility and balance training. Mobility meaning teaching their bodies how to move. Um, Bobby and I talked about this a lot when we were just writing it up for the first year. He said, Ellie, you need to start a lot lower than you think you want to as a physical therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I got burned a couple times. I mean, I tried to go in all guns to blaze and, you know, super excited with a um, hero cape on my back and then realized he's 100% right. <laughs> so yeah. we... I broke it down from a physical therapy standpoint all the way from what positions does a human being need to be able to move in. First, I teach them how to move on the ground, like literally lying on their backs first and how to move their body through range of motion on their back. Then how do we get their body into a kneeling position? How do we get their body upright and be able to master control and coordination in all those positions? Because that's how a lot of these kids coming out of math class or coming, you know, out of the summertime where they're sitting at home playing video games, they have to relearn how to move again prior to us giving them any of that cool choreography that a Mike Rosales may put in there where, you know, they're holding a horn then they go roll on the ground and pop back up. We've got to get them comfortable in all those positions in between so that they can actually master that. And then the second half of that first day is balance. And it's shocking to the students and the directors how bad they are at literally just standing on one leg. So if you're listening to this and you're 
not in your car right now, <laughs> stand up and just try to stand on one leg without holding on to anything for 30 seconds. Then try to do it with your eyes closed. And that's something that nobody thinks about when they're trying to condition band students. There's a lot of people that try to get out there and do fitness for marching band. And they totally miss on the skill sets that are required to get there. They almost treat it like a P90X or Shantee or Beachbody. And it's not really that. They have to have body awareness on an unconscious level, subconscious level. So we spend a lot of time building up their, it's called proprioception, their body's awareness of where it is in space. And that's an entire day throughout the entire course of a season. Every time they show up on Mondays, we're talking about how we can improve their awareness in space. Then when they come back on Tuesday, it's a totally different routine. It's a strength, postural strength routine. And it starts as simple as 10 squats for their lower body or um, some shoulder blade retractions and big arm motions for their upper body that are in sets of 10 or 15 and just doing one set because at the beginning for a lot of these band programs, multiple sets of things is too much. So we just teach them how to do it right. And we call it our foundational level. The first month is building a foundation. And then we build upon that with the second and third phases during the year. Then on the third day, which for us was Thursday, I call it thumping Thursday. So that is your, your cardio day. We want to get your heart rate up, um, get some blood flowing throughout your body, but it is not go run a mile or go jog um, around the perimeter of the field for eight or 10 minutes because your show's that long. We've incorporated a lot more breathing gym on top of moving your feet. So you'll see us do, whether it's in for four, out for four, some combination of in, inhale, exhale on top of foot timing, which is totally unheard of. We understand that as band people, but from the running world and from their literature, people actually get hurt less often when their feet are moving faster. I used to think that the bigger strides you took as a runner, the faster you'd go, but and the less likely you'd be to get hurt. But it's actually, we want to get you spending less time on each leg, meaning I want to get your feet moving about 180 beats a minute because that's only a third of a second of your weight getting transferred foot to foot versus if you're at like 140, 160, those milliseconds add up and they cause more of the shin splints and more of the tendonitis injuries. So we want you to be lighter on your feet and just be able to do that in place for a minute or two minutes. And if you take your band through that, you'll be shocked at how gassed they are just trying to get through a minute of jogging in place within for four out for four with their breath control. And then you also realize they just learned foot timing without us even having to teach, you know, right foot, left foot and all that stuff. So we really try to combine every aspect that you can think of as a marching performer into what we do, give it to them in rehearsal and build them up throughout the course of a year. Once they're bought into that, it's much easier for us to do things like a back to band workout or a couch to court workout where we give them what they need to do in the preseason or in the off season to stay in shape or get in shape before the season comes back around. But um, that's essentially what we do when we go into a school. We teach their student leadership team to run it top to bottom so that there are many marching health clinicians for the rest of the year. And then they are really the ones taking ownership and helping the band progress throughout the course of a season before you've ever even had to start a rehearsal as a director.
That's really critical yeah. getting the student leadership team involved. Um, you know, we, when I've taught this to, to groups, some, some similar things to groups and, and you, you see the drum majors who like, if you come back the next day and you're, you're watching or the next week and you're watching the drum majors do it, is that a fire alarm? We're having a fire. Oh alarm. no. <laughs> I will mute you. Okay. Mute. And I'll continue. Bobby. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, These are the things that only happen on live educator podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Anyway, uh, I think what I was saying is like some drum majors um, will run through. They're looking at the list of things you told them to do. We're going to do the quad stretch, the the calf stretch, the the breathing gym, whatever, whatever you've given them. And you can just see them reading it and just saying it to the students. And but you're like, wait. Like, are you even, are you even watching to see if they're behind where you are, or are you even watching to see is everyone involved and 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 uh, you know uh, c- committing to what we're asking to do? Because you look out there and some kids are just barely jogging in place, and some are just getting after it, and so you really have to train drum majors and leadership team to go. You know, it's not just a list of things. And each one is 30 seconds long. It's, it's, it's much more about, you know, just what your directors and your teachers are doing is that they're giving instructions, but then they're also giving feedback on how uh, the performance of those things are going, because you're only really going to see decreases in, in injuries and increases in athleticism if the students are buying in and actually, you know, following uh, the fundamentals of what you taught them. That's exactly right. And the big thing for me that I've had to learn throughout the years is prepping these students for what to expect. From a leadership team perspective, we want to make sure that they understand how to teach. And that, like you said, this is not just a, a program that we write down or give them videos and they just recite like a robot. We actually practice teaching them how to teach systematically, teaching to the last person in the classroom. You could think of that as geographically, how do I get my energy to the furthest person away from me? Or you can think of that intellectually, how do I teach this in a way that every student in this room can understand? So we do about two hours worth of leadership training on site at first, and then we follow up with the leadership team monthly throughout the year. And we give them personality tests so that they understand what their personality is and what their communication styles are. Then we have them discuss what they think the other personality types in their sections are. And so that they can learn how to best communicate with those people. Then we have them come out one at a time once we've taught them the workouts. And in live in clinic, they have to be able to teach everything top to bottom, back from memory to us in a way that gets us excited about it. So we practice characterization almost like you would do in a marching band show when you're figuring out what character are we trying to portray here in this part of the show. They have to practice being the coach, not just the talking head, but relating to their peers, having an emotional connection with them while they have a microphone on, picking out what types of music their students want to listen to, while they are um, having a fire alarm go off, and I'm kidding. While they're um, going through that with everyone, we almost had Bobby back there, and then <laughs> the, the, the alarm went off again. Man, some, things are getting wild at Wando right now. 
So it's, it's a big picture macro perspective on student leadership training, teaching them how to teach. And then from there, we teach them and tell them what you do in a sectional is exactly what you just learned how to do with this workout. So if we can take everything you just worked on, whether it's your teaching skill, your relatability, or even just your mental and physical resilience that you're showing and demonstrating in front of your peers, and you can apply that into how you teach the trumpets to play the ballad while you're trying to lead a sectional, this whole band's going to get better naturally through the presence that you provide as a student leader. So band directors are really only going to implement... I mean, obviously, they can they can hire Marching Health. They can hire you to bring out the person to do all this. But, um, you know, if a band director is going to want to implement this or start implementing something like this on his or her own, they're really only going to do it if they have a base level of understanding of the why behind it. Yes. Right. And so um, I, I've been saying this for a while and I know it's true, but I don't know the exact reasoning. But why is it best? You know, we talk about dynamic stretching versus static stretching. I've, I've heard this for years is that dynamic stretching before you do something athletic and static stretching afterwards um, is the best way to, to prepare the body to do something physical. Am I, am I correct in saying that? I'm going to give the gray answer if it depends. <laughs> so yeah. I have actually backtracked slightly in terms of how I discuss this with color guard. Because their activity, if they're at a world-class level, tends to be a little bit different than what the marching band students physically are going through. But from a research perspective, the majority of the time, what we see, and we've gone through static stretching literature, dynamic stretching literature, and then no stretching, just going out and rehearsing or going out and going to a practice. There is no relationship between preventing injury and doing static stretching. In fact, you might even see people get hurt more often. Mm-hmm. What Trying to stretch a cold muscle. Right. Whether it's trying to stretch a cold muscle or even the fact that static stretching is still an exercise. And so you've just done an exercise before you're trying to go into more exercise during rehearsal. So did you just impair your performance by somewhat tiring your muscle out, even though a stretch may not feel like fatigue? So we've compared that to dynamic stretching, which isn't this just holy grail of workouts, but we see, we don't see this massive drop in injury risk from dynamic stretching. What we see instead is improved performance. So with dynamic stretching, we see if the dynamic stretching mimics what you're about to ask them to go do they perform that task better. So we think there is some physical improvement, whether it's getting blood flowing or getting muscles a little more pliable, but we also think there's as much, if not more, of a nervous system progression, which is why you're seeing a lot of sports teams go through these more dynamic movements during their warmups before maybe a basketball team gets into a layup line or a football team starts doing their passing drills or blocking drills. So we try to make our dynamic stretching routine as much or as similar to marching as possible. And that is different from drumline, 
because they have to crap. So I give them different cues doing maybe what's called the same exercise, but teaching them how to do it with a slightly different modification while the horn line is doing their version of it. And then the same thing with the color guard. Maybe we can do some sort of tendu version or some sort of jazz walking version of an exercise instead of thinking so hard about the marching biomechanics that a horn line member should be going through. So we want to take these warm-up philosophies and adapt them to that specific section of the band as much as possible to get them bought in. Because once they realize, oh, we're talking band terms, we're not talking fitness and strength and conditioning things, they buy in a little more. So we get them bought in and we get them warmed up and healthier at the same time. That's good. That's, uh, I don't know if that's too much in the weeds or not enough in the weeds. It's hard, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Like what, how much does your average director want to know about why? <laughs> I think a little bit, I think you want to have a little bit of why behind it before you start telling your students to do a certain thing. You know, most band directors that I've come in contact with are much more comfortable with the why behind everything they choose to do from a breathing, articulation, release, tone quality, fingering, you know, intonation. They're they're way more comfortable with all that than how do I get my students in shape? How do I stretch them properly? How do I do a proper plie? Um, you know, how do I teach them to get in and out of the ground without hurting themselves? And so I think that's why, you know, groups like yours that come alongside band directors and go, you didn't get this in college. I got this in college. So I can speak your band language and this other language. Let me come alongside you uh, and help you through this process with your students. Um, once you get it going, though, uh, it, it's just what you do. You know, students expect it. You know, there are some groups who do run as a part of, uh, you know, marching band practice, they have a certain amount of running. That's not something I've ever incorporated into any place that I teach. What, you know, for me, it's like yoga or it's, um, you know, body coach stuff where you're jogging in place and you're, uh, you know, doing burpees and push ups and sit ups and, you know, things that get them in and out of the ground and, and get their heart rates up. But, you know, you can do it in place and you can do it um, without equipment and things like that. So I, I assume your couch, couch to core and your back to band workout, those, you don't need to have a gym membership to do those, right? No, that's actually the way that they're written up. So the back to band workout, I don't even know if there's a single piece of equipment involved. I can look back at it. There may be a couple exercises for like a shoulder press, but I tell people just get your equipment, your, um, actual instrument case and shoulder pressure instrument case overhead. Then uh, for our couch decor, that is more towards the drum core population. So we try to get some weights in, in their hands, but nothing crazy. The weight of their instruments enough. That's what they're going to be carrying all year. So those are made for them to be in a dorm room or them to be at their house in their garage or in their bedroom and still have access to expert level fitness information that's geared toward their activity that is still going to get them to the level they need to be at to show up for band camp or show up for a drum corps spring training in the proper amount of fitness. I went to a drum corps spring training my senior year and had no problem with the playing part of it. But we right off the bat, I think the very first thing we did after we had a meeting was run 
three or five miles or something like that. And I was not a runner. You know, I probably have done more running as an adult than than uh, than I did at the time. And I was like, D- we're doing what? <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. I had no idea I needed to be prepared for that. Yeah, we don't, even in our first entire month of working with groups, I don't have them do more than a single lap around the field. Because you asked about the why, like why do we, why are we doing what we're doing? I think the the why is a big reason why marching health exists. A lot of traditions from maybe like fifth grade level PE class got passed down to marching bands because nobody had a higher level of physical education, so they did a lot of the same stretching you might have done in elementary school, and didn't actually yeah. go beyond that. But then when we get into things like running where you want to have great intentions and get your kids in shape. So you might ask them to go run, but if they don't run with good technique, with good foot timing and with good breathing, they're more likely to injure themselves or cause shin splint or cause calf tendonitis than, or knee problems even than they are to make significant progress. That's going to improve your band's performance on the field. Right. And and my physical therapist last year, uh, was, dealing with a shoulder injury. And I just asked him how I get back into running. This was actually a year and a half ago. And he's like, start running a little and walking a lot. And then eventually, you know, as you get through more and more reps of it, you know, weeks down the road, you're going to be running more and walking less, but don't try to just run five miles. But so Bobby, was, I'm, you're, you're, you're in the press in box the press now. Box, yeah. I felt so driven for this athletic side of marching band and music that I just had to come out here and be part of it. I think it's funny that we can see still into my office and I see the alarm still going off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what I was going to say, and this is, this is where I think I was as a band director. I felt like if horns were messed up, if, if part of the music wasn't there, I, I knew how to fix it. I didn't know how to fix bodies. And so there was a lot of frustration that was there for me in that, you know, nothing can derail a kid or a rehearsal faster than an injury. And so I was like that this and it was becoming prevalent. And so we wanted to, you know, there's that side of it. But then there's just the other side of like, this is just good thinking. This is good health. This is, I, I, you know, I remember when you came up with the name Marching Health, I was like, man, that's perfect. That's exactly what it needs to be. So that being said, walk me through, Elliot. I'm a band director who knows nothing about physical anything. I reach out to you for the first time. What, what, what are you going to talk me through? Okay. <laughs> I have a funny backstory on this because this is exactly what we teach when we go into places from top to bottom. So I was um, the same guy who helped me come up with the whole idea behind it and address it to marching band students. Um, He said, when you want to grow this, you need to be thankful and show gratitude towards all the people that are sharing your information. So one of the schools was East Tennessee State. They were always posting the marching health um, workouts. So I reached out to them and just said, hey, I'd love to be able to work with you guys. Um, let me know if you're interested. And they responded. And we were in like Facebook Messenger back in the day. And you can see the little three dots going up. And they said, what would you teach? This sounds very interesting. And I said, like they knew my ellipses were going and that my brain was ticking. And I hadn't come up with a plan <laughs> for what I would actually teach. And so I just came up with the first five things that were the most important to 
to me that were the most obvious. And Oh, Elliot, I think you're muted, buddy. Oh my gosh. Did I, did that whole thing not? Oh, just, just no, oh, no, just for a little bit. We talked about the three ellipses we're going. You said the five oh, most important things. Thing. Just tell us the five things. So <laughs> the, the five things that we have come up with that every band seems to need better information and processes on is one, getting the proper warm up, which we've already discussed and understanding why behind that warm up. Then two, so many of the injuries that we saw that were causing kids to sit out were shoe wear related. And so if we can teach these kids what shoes and sorry, and teach their parents what shoes they need to have on their feet when they show up to band camp, the chances of them getting shin splints is significantly lower. And that's one of those injuries that drives you insane as a band director, because if it comes on in band camp, it's not going away for two or three months that kid's going to be in and out the rest of the year. Um, so shoe wear has become a big topic to, for us. And as a practicing physical therapist, I've actually learned how to create custom orthotics to be able to put in kids' shoes so that we treat them as an athlete from the ground up. And if they have more support from their foot and ankle, their knees are going to feel better and their hips are going to feel better. That becomes a whole different conversation when we get into the world of color guard and winter guard. That epidemic that you see of knee braces and KT tape in color guard. My theory is that it is largely due to showing up to rehearsal, kicking their shoes off and practicing on concrete floors in cafeterias and auditoriums barefoot because these girls, predominantly girls, honestly, the guys don't have as big of a problem with it because guys typically have more strength at that age. So they carry their joints a little bit differently. And they're developing differently with their hip angles. Their hips aren't widening and their pelvis isn't widening as much. With the females, they have, at that puberty age, their pelvis is widening. Then you take the support from the ground out from under them by not putting them in shoes. And now their knee is going to have an inward collapsing angle to it. So you're going to have more stress on the inside of their knee. And it's as simple a fix as just getting the right shoes under their feet and then we can talk about strength and conditioning afterwards. But if we don't have that base layer, the things we do on top of it are going to be a little bit futile to solving the actual problem. So that's one of the big things. Another one is hydration. The majority of the kids we saw sitting out in band camp specifically were kids who didn't hydrate properly the night before and the morning of rehearsal. And then weren't acclimated to the heat beforehand. So can we get you hydrated? And can we teach you how to get acclimatized or used to the heat the two weeks leading up to band camp? And we give bands strategies that are very realistic, like section leaders take ownership of having an outdoor sectional weekly in the weeks prior to band camp, whether that's at your house or you know on the field. We want to get students outside for 30 to 60 minutes so that they're used to that. Or even go on walks with your dog or take these workouts we're giving you and do them outdoors so that you're getting used to physical exercise in the heat and you're not just going to collapse and wilt underneath the pressures of the sun during band camp. One thing I notice a lot in the Dallas area is um, every building over air conditions. And so the hotter the climate you're in, I don't know if it's like this in South Carolina in the summer, it's not as much in Indiana for, for whatever reason, but... Whenever I'm down in Dallas, 
I'm just freezing cold inside buildings and just the hottest I've ever been in my life when I'm outside. And the combination of the two is just rough. Right. And you lose that homeostasis, that natural equilibrium of your body when you're having to try to figure out how to get back and forth between those two. And so you take those things. And then another one for us was what nutrition are kids having? Because if we bring them out in the heat and we ask them to do physical activity and they don't have the proper food in their bodies, they're going to collapse. They're going to be a medical emergency waiting to happen. Um, and specifically, some of these examples came from seeing kids throw up on the sidelines at Wando in the hot, humid summer heat and asking them on site, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? The One of the problems I see now that was not the case five years ago when we started this was the answer that kids give being nothing. I've never seen, and you guys may, you have a little bit more experience and time as teachers, but there seems to be a trend of students not eating before showing up to school or showing up to rehearsal at greater levels than what I used to see. Ooh, I, I would say that, that that is a big deal. Like we, we have to really help them with that because especially coming into school, very few of them will have eaten. And it's just a choice now. It's not necessarily a, a cultural thing or even a geographic thing. I think it's just a choice. I think in some cases, yes. And in other cases, may, maybe you're dealing with, um, you know, uh, a, f- a family who's, you know, on their free and reduced lunch sort of situation where maybe maybe they're the best meals students are going to get are at school. I know that 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 is definitely something that, that we, we think about. But, you know, um, intermittent fasting doesn't work during band camp. You know, you can't you know, no matter what you've heard on the internet about, you know, how, how healthy intermittent fasting is, that really doesn't count if you're going to wake up and do an eight hour rehearsal day. Right. And I don't know if some of these trends have come from the social media world where they see these fad diets popping off on social media, or they see a certain image that they've wanted to attain. And there I've had the excuse before of hearing kids say Bandcamp is a weight loss strategy to them. And that's not the time to try something new. And that's what we, I tell band directors, we want to come in before band camp starts, whether that is in your spring camp or maybe plan an extra day a week or two before band camp starts so we can get you this preventative information. Because it's one thing for us to teach your kids how to warm up and work out properly, but it's a different level when we talk to them about these main health topics on their level. So we talk about nutrition in a, eat this, not that style manner. That's realistic to what are your options when you wake up in the morning that you can grab out of your pantry before you walk out? Or if you have to get lunch at school or get breakfast at school, what are the options there and how can we help you be successful when choosing between those things? Well, I'm glad we're doing this podcast uh, this time of year. You know, if you're listening to it right when it comes out, you're going to hear it in early February. And we've got a lot of time before, uh, before summer um, obviously, it's less important for a student to be <laughs> physically active when they're trying to do concert band. It's just not it's it's not something we as uh, being in that band life have to worry about, really. Right. Do we want our students to, to overall have better health and, and fitness? Yeah, I think we would wish that for all of our colleagues and our students. But, 
you know, we have some time. I like to think of the the first rehearsals in May or June, kind of those get to get to know each other rehearsals. Um, that's an important time to talk about these those five concepts that you were talking about. And and like, hey, let's be honest, we've got six weeks until we really start learning drill and learning choreography and we're outside in the heat. That's a lot of time. You know, you can completely transform your life in six weeks from a physical standpoint. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, just encourage everyone listening, you know, be thinking about what you're going to be talking with your students about in May and make sure that some of these things are included and, you know, reach out to Elliot and, you know, um, come come up with a plan for your school. That way, when you come back for real in July, you have a whole different group of students to teach. Hey, I might I might mention this. We actually have a leadership position that is just called Marching Health. And so, you know, Luke, who I think I don't know if you met him this year, Elliot, or not, but I know Evan has worked with him and he's been with us again next year. Like that's his leadership position. And he runs that for us. So if maybe that's not something that you even feel like, I don't even know how to speak to this. Ask your band. Anybody really interested in maybe exercising and and getting us a a workout plan for next fall, I guarantee you, you'll have somebody step forward from that. And then that's where you can connect them and bring them in or bring, bring Elliot into them, whatever. Elliot, speaking of, if we want to contact you, how do we find you? Where's the best way, place, and mode to reach you? Thank you for asking. Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at marchinghealth.com. That is my email. Um, You can find it on marchinghealth.com or um, just straight up email me from there. We have a big Facebook presence. Um, We did have a big Instagram presence, and then Instagram deleted us recently. So we are recovering from that. Um, But email is the easiest way to reach me, and I'm very responsive on that. So I'll get back to you usually within 48 hours um, and be able to set up a phone call. Well, if they reinstated the former president, then surely you'll get reinstated soon. <laughs> wow. We just got political on the Elf podcast. Wow. I'm just saying. like, there's, Elliot, I don't think you've probably said anything on Instagram inflammatory. <laughs> so. Might have talked about inflammation, but that was oh a really my bad God. joke. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm sorry. Jeff, this is what I get for leaving you alone during the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Elliot, thanks for being here and uh, we're kind of running up on our 45 minutes. So we, we try to keep these to something somebody could listen to on the way to work or at lunch. So uh, we, we definitely want to speak with you again. And, um, you know, maybe listeners, if you have some questions or comments uh, for Elliot, shoot them his way or our way. And next time we get together in six months or so, we, we can answer some of those questions that you have. So thank you for being here. And uh on behalf of Bobby and I, uh, this has been That Band Life, and thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thank you all so much for having me.